Welcome to Divorce TV. This is a pre-recorded episode and I wasn't going to do any news stories but I couldn't resist this one so I'm going to just do one. But just to let you know we've got the second part of an interview with Henry Elliston, Chartered Financial Planner, talking about divorce and business and business income and uh, those areas that can be a bit confusing so he'll, he'll be continuing that conversation with me. A shared story with Kimberly Ewarts who has written a book about shared stories from people whose parents got divorced and they're quite powerful stories and then a healing with Debbie Tellerlay to end with but let's just have this one quick news story first as it's in the news uh, I wanted to just share this from the European who and they're asking that we treat the goves with the kindness they denied everybody else. So Mitch Ben wants an end to gossip about the divorce of Brexiteers Michael Gove and Sarah Vine. He, the article says it's a heart-rending human drama of the week. The parallel universes of politics and newspapers were rocked with the news that the UK's leading power couple, journalist turned perennial political survivor Michael Gove and journalist turned Daily Mail columnist Sarah Vine have separated and are soon to divorce. Speculation has been rife as to what revelations may be about to drop, as the kids call it, though it's hard to imagine, the article says, what could possibly come out about either of both of them, such as might actually lower them in most people's estimation. In any event, it's no doubt a difficult time and we should certainly all now treat the unhappy couple with far more kindness, respect and consideration than they've ever managed to show anyone else. This is the article, it's not me. Michael, Sarah, my advice to you is that if you want a complimentary divorce navigation session, just say the words. Uh, if you want to divorce so before April 22, you'll need to make up some mean things to say about each other. Um, something that, you know, why one of you made the other one so unhappy that you needed to divorce. And then you need to request, not inform, you request to have a divorce uh, and to see if you're allowed to have one. So. I recommend that you don't use the infidelity route. It can it just adds a whole load of messy stuff on top. You know, sending a petition to the person you're unfaithful with. You know, a lot of people just miss that bit out and just go for unreasonable behaviour. My last bit of advice for you both is use mediation or collaborative law. Uh, keep it peaceful and be good role models for the rest of us. So the, the message for everyone listening here is that if you're um, going through a divorce or you're, or giving advice to a friend is um, just don't just stash a load of money into your business or pretend or suddenly become a pauper and don't pay yourself unless there's you can show that there's a logical, sensible reason for that and, and that you're actually looking at the... Um, the long-term benefit of your business and and putting that case a genuine case is something that obviously with your long-term cash flow forecasting you can help with isn't it yeah quite right quite right no I think that's I, I, I think you summarized it perfectly there actually um that yeah and, and, and we can we can have if we if we really do think that your income's falling then yeah let's build that into the cash flow forecast and say look it was if, I don't know there was one particular thing that happened to sell particularly well in 2020, but actually no one wants to buy it any longer. Uh, face mask probably was good. I've got a company that sells face masks and we made a huge amount of money last year and it seems that this year we're not going to make quite as much money. 
probably really decent um, argument as to why your company won't do. But then let's feed those numbers through the cash flow forecast and say, look, I'll tell you what, last year you made £150,000 a year. And this year, you're only going to make £20,000 a year. And in reality, that's what it's likely to be going forward. So now when we're looking at the divorce and what we're looking at um, income needs for the individuals, possibly capital needs in order to support the income needs, how best do we now divvy these up so that so that people can, you know, the individuals can survive as comfortably as possible going forward? And I think the other thing that, that we often see when it comes to this the idea of, of, of the false income reduction, should we say, is that quite often, and certainly with wealthier clients or clients who've got really disparate um, income streams, so now you typically, of course, it's the wife who earns less and the husband might earn quite a lot. Well, the husband might then be on the hook for some form of spousal maintenance. And that gives them a huge incentive to try and suddenly reduce their income at that point. And so I think it's really important, especially in those cases, that quite a lot of care and attention is put towards looking at the historic, historic earnings and understanding why all of a sudden income potentially has dropped or what is likely, more importantly, to be a reasonable level of support that the husband can offer, not just to cover the needs of, of you know, the, the wife, the spouse, but also to ensure that he can carry on living and that he's not going to be, you know, totally decimated. Because of course, if he's totally decimated, then actually running his business becomes less, less, less exciting for him. And, um, and probably ever, all the money, all the money disappears quite quickly. So the sooner they sit down, either individually, or um, in some cases, as a couple, but usually it's individually, mm. and looking at these and making a proper strategy rather than do knee-jerk, hide the money, or suddenly I'm not going to earn so much. So often these are knee-jerk reactions that people take out of fear without having sat down properly and worked out whether whether ultimately that's the best option. And just finally, um, people who are on sort of self-employed, have they talk about the business, but actually they may not even have a separate account for it. How do you work out with that, whether you know, how much is their income and how much isn't? How, how do you get your head around that one? Well, it's a bit, it's a bit tricky because you don't have accounts that you would have for a limited company, so you don't see what turnover and stuff like that is. Um, however, everyone has still got to submit a tax return every year. So even if you're a sole trader, so this would be this, this would be in your example. So a sole trader still has to submit a tax return every year. But the truth of the matter is, it is somewhat harder to determine exactly what their what their income and outgoings are. Now, of course, we can have a look at bank statements. Um, and if we think that, that if, if you know, you've been submitting your tax returns every year, showing yourself earning £50,000, and then all of a sudden it's crashed to £10,000 this year, you might want to go through your bank statements to demonstrate why all of a sudden your net income has suddenly collapsed so badly. And it might be, you know, it might be a good reason about it. You know, I might have to... You might have to have bought a whole load of new kit to stock out your gym or whatever the case may be, you know. Um, and if that's the reason, that's fine. But one has to expect that actually, if you've just done that, your income probably next year is likely to, to rise again. Um, so so I think that's how you go about it. Bank statements are really the only thing that that, that we can use to justify the reality of an ongoing income stream being what it is or or, or to justify why it's been reduced and whether or not that's likely to continue at, at, at that level. 
That's really helpful, Henry. And and I encourage anyone who is uh, waiting for their spouse or producing the finances themselves, do it early. Get and evidence it. Don't just say, oh, this is what I earn and uh, get the bank statement sorted and provide it. Don't wait till you're forced to buy a court order, which has cost time and money and hassle and not put you in favour with a judge either by doing that. It's amazing how many people put themselves in that silly situation. Just get your act mm. together and then go and see Henry. And if they use that QR code, they can uh, get a complimentary chat with you, can't they? That's right, yes. Please do. More than happy to talk it through. Thanks very much, Henry. All right, bye-bye. See you soon. Hello, my name is Kimberly Ewarts. I'm a writer and um, I'm also a divorced parent. So I wanted to put a resource tool out there for divorced parents and their children. And recently I published my book, Family Redefined Childhood Reflections on the Impact of Divorce, which is 10 chapters of adult children reflecting back on those memories of their parents' divorce. Lisa is my first chapter. And she was five years old at the time and an only child. And the biggest impact that her parents' divorce had on her was a sense of uh, loss and abandonment because her father kind of got out of the picture pretty quickly. And she's carried that uh, fear of abandonment with her throughout her life. She's now in her mid-50s. And just in the last 10 years, she's probably realized that she's... um, She's repeated a pattern that's caused from her fears of abandonment, of looking for people who she knows, you know, subconsciously will reject her because she always anticipates and expects um, that the people that she cares for and those that she loves will leave her. So the the most striking impact of um, the abandonment issues that Lisa has and continues to deal with was back when she was a child, her mother would go on dates as, you know, is normal. And she would have this uh, unrealistic fear that her mother was going to leave her because in her words, she says, my dad, you know, ditched me. Why wouldn't my mom? So her mother never gave her any reason to feel that way and was more than reassuring. But it was just in uh, a scar that, you know, had developed because of the abandonment issues that she dealt with from her father. And she's gotten to a point in her life now where she realizes that how he treated her and was actually his own problems. And she's not carrying that with her anymore. He's, he's since passed, but she knows that she um, has to move forward with, you know, having confidence in herself and not having that fear that someone that she cares about will eventually leave her. And she's, she's in a good place and her and her mother have this tightest bond. She calls her her touchstone. And um, she has a stepfather, a stepbrother, and they're all have a great relationship. So she's, she's at a good point in her life and she's moving forward from that. How do you think that she managed to get to that place? Mostly it was her mother's um, reassurance and just 
constantly being there for her. They're as close as any child and parent can be, even though Lisa's in her middle, you know, middle fifties, um, they're like best friends. And that is what a lot of the experts say is that you have to have that source of support, whether it be a parent or a counselor or even, you know, um, a parish priest or something, or a good confidant, a friend, um, that sense of um, having someone to, that you know is always going to be there and provide you the support you need, especially during the traumatic time of divorce, is is a key um, is key for children to have during this difficult time. And if everyone would please close their eyes, and I'm going to put each one of us under a shower of universal love so that you can be washed down, cleaned down, inside and out. And feel that shower on you. And now we're going to imagine a white light sword that is going to come through the top of your head, your top chakra. And this white light is going to regenerate all your chakras as it goes down through you. So let's start with the very top chakra. And this is your spiritual chakra, purple, om. And let this light regenerate it, make sure that the color is true, that it's spinning correctly around this white light. And then when you feel that it's had been regenerated enough, let the light just move down to the next chakra, which is your third eye, and which is a dark blue. And let that regenerate. It needs to be spinning nicely, not all over the place. Good color, a true color. And let the white light make it into a true color. And then the light goes further down into your throat. And this chakra is for peace. And it is a light blue. And see that spinning. And feel the peace that it generates. Going further down, the light is going to enter your heart. And this chakra is green. And further down, to your solar plexus, which is your power, your connection with others. And this is gold. And let it go further into your abdomen. And the next chakra is orange, and that is for relationships. Let it spin. And now further down to your base chakra, which is red, and make sure that red is a nice, true red. No, no um, dingy spots, no dark places in it. And see that it spins correctly. And now the light is going to go through you and out and start pooling around your feet. And it's going to become a large puddle. And as it comes through you even more, it's going to develop into a lake. And even more, it's going to go as far as the eye can see. And whatever is in that pathway, 
is going to be converted to the light. So all the dark little bits and pieces can be converted to the light. And now we're going to take our bazookas out, our mental bazookas out, and aim them at the dark cloud hovering above your head. And see that black cloud shatter and splinter and leave you. And what is there in its stead? And we'll take the bazooka again and aim it at the black cloud behind the small of your back and see that evaporate. And now we are going to peel ourselves like a grape of the things that encompass us and are at tight bonds around us. So we will start off with betrayal. Let us peel ourselves of betrayal. And again, peel yourself of anger. And peel yourself of despair. And how about fear? Fear of the future, fear what's going to happen now. And how about hatred? Heal yourself off. And I'm sure you can all think of one or two that you might be carrying. Would you do that for yourselves now? Okay. Right, we are now going to reconnect ourselves with the Creator. So taking the energy from your heart up through the top of your head and send it out to the Creator. And the Creator is going to send back to you the Creator's energy through the top of your head, down through all the chakras to the base, and then back up to the heart. Breathe it in. And we're going to do the same to our souls, taking the energy from the heart up through the top of the head and off to the soul. And then from the soul, back to you, down through from the top of your head to the base chakra and back up to the heart. Breathe it in. And now repeat three times. I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. And we're going to put as the last thing, the shamanic circles of protections around us. So seven circles, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Read them all in. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Thank you. And I just wanted to share a little, little thought about what it means to have a victory. Often in, in divorce cases, people talk about winning and losing. And of course, we all know that uh, just getting a bigger financial settlement may mean spending 
a vast amount of money to get it, which makes it not such a quite a good win after all. But more importantly, the toll on your personal health and psychological health and that of your children can make it uh, not much of a win at all. And I'm often, when I'm working with people, we're talking about how not to compromise, uh, wave the white flag, that's not about giving in, it's about going, let's, let's find a different way to deal with this. So peace is created. Peace doesn't happen because one side dominates, because that kind of peace never lasts very long. It happens when both sides start looking for a better solution. So I'd like to leave you with that thought. And as we all know, in the war of divorce, in the battlefield of family separation, always make sure that you keep peace as your weapon of choice. See you next Friday.